Hey, this is Josh Herrera, and I'm the pastor of Lighthouse Church North County, and this is our podcast. Wherever you are and however you are listening, I want to say thank you for tuning in to what we are teaching at Lighthouse. Our desire is that these messages would help you to fulfill your God-given potential. If this message impacts you, share it with someone you know. We are on this journey together, becoming more like Jesus, one day and one step at a time. Now here's today's message. We hope it blesses you. God bless you, everyone. What an honor, what a privilege to be here tonight, today, whatever time it is that you're watching. Uh, I have a few moments just to share what's, what's on my heart, and I'm excited. It's, it's good to always uh, share God's word. So uh, our series this month has been about above all, how God is above every situation. He's above everything. And so I've been thinking about it and what we're going through right now with this whole COVID thing and uh I'm thinking about God and God being above all, and I'm reminded that God is above everything. He is even above what's going on right now, our circumstances worldwide. He's above that. And uh, I, I just started thinking about how crazy things have been changing. I mean, uh, it's insane now how everybody all of a sudden uh, is a cleaner. Like, we're all clean freaks. Like, we clean everything, everywhere. We're afraid to touch people. It's all about the fist bump now or the elbow or the foot. And it's crazy. Like, times have really changed. And, uh, you know, everyone's a super neat freak now and cleaning everything. And I'm, I'm thinking about this. And what's the dirtiest thing you, that you've ever touched? Because I worked at a seafood place. And let me tell you, um, handling raw fish, oysters, clams, lobsters, it's, it's no fun. I mean, it tastes great and it's good. But every night when I went home, my wife, Ruthie, shout out, she would always tell me, babe, your hands stink. You smell like fish. And I'm sitting there like, oh, my gosh, girl, do you have any idea how many times I washed my hands throughout the day? I mean, I was working in a restaurant. I got to wash my hands every 15, 20 minutes. Like, I'm there scrubbing soap, sanitizer, Anything you can think of just to go home and my wife complain about I smell like fish. Right? Like, like we all, there's, mechanics know what I'm talking about. You know, you go into work on a car to change the oil. You got to put gloves on because, you know, as soon as you touch that motor, your hands are going to get dirty. You're going to get full of grease. And I would try everything when I was working with seafood. It, like somebody told me, hey, squeeze lemon into your hands. So I would squeeze the lemon in my hands, scrub it. They told me use salt. I would use salt. I would even get the kosher kind. Didn't work. And so all that to say that, um, you know, God, it really doesn't matter how dirty you are or what condition you think you're in. Like, man, like, and I want to share a verse with you. It's Matthew 8, 1. And it talks about a man with a serious skin condition. And it, and it reads like this. It goes, when he came down from the mountain, large crowds followed him. Right away, a man with a serious skin disease came up and knelt before him saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Reaching out his hand, he touched him saying, I am willing, be made clean. Immediately, his disease was healed. Then Jesus told him, see that you don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses prescribed as a testimony to them. So, 
the f I just want to share a couple things. And the first thing that I want to share that it doesn't matter how dirty you think you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. Like there's no condition too harsh. There's nothing too great that God won't come down to you and reach out to you. Like some of us, we think that, oh, no, like I've just messed up too bad. Like what I've done is just there's no hope for me. Well, there is. There is hope. There, there's hope for you. There's hope for me. God can reach down to the dirty me. He can reach down to the dirty you. And not only will he make us clean, but what's on us won't go on him. He doesn't have to worry about, oh, my gosh, if I touch that, I'm going to smell like that. He doesn't have to worry about things like that. God is God, and he's above all. He's above every situation. He's above any condition. So that's the first thing I want to tell you. And the second thing that I want to share with you is that if we think about this man's story, this, this man with leprosy that came to Jesus, I mean, talking about social distancing, this guy was social distancing for the rest of his life. Like the law in that day stated that if you had that skin disease, like they had to take you to the city gate and give you the boot. Like you were no longer allowed to come to your loved ones or anywhere near anybody. You were no longer allowed to be in the city. Like you had to be in your own community with a bunch of other lepers and you just watch each other die. Like that's what this man, and I mean, just imagine even the psychological effect that this man was going through. Like, it must have been crazy. Imagine not seeing the, person's, the, the person that you love, the people that you love. Like, not being able to go and embrace them, not getting a hug from anybody. Like, come on, I love giving people hugs. Like, can you imagine not getting a hug from somebody and, like... Who knows how long? But this man went out of his way, like... like he had to go out of his way, like, to the extreme because if you had that condition, wherever you went and there was somebody that didn't have that disease, you had to announce yourself and say, I'm unclean, I'm unclean. Like, so this guy went full out. He probably put a hoodie on, his face mask, you know, because, you know, he had the disease. And so he had to find a way because he had heard about Jesus. He heard, man, there's this man that's making people better there's this man that's healing the sick that's there's this man and he heard and he did whatever it took to get out there and I can just imagine him plotting his you know okay Jesus is gonna be here I gotta do this I gotta go around this place and this place so I'm not seeing like this guy he knew that Jesus was his last hope and there's there's that's a words for somebody tonight it's right there where you are you you may be thinking that there's no way out. Maybe all you see around you is things dying. But I want to tell you, man, all you got to do is plan and, and go out of your way. And Jesus is not only there, he's waiting for you. And he's willing. Like he was willing to heal the, this man, he's willing to heal you. Whatever the condition is, whatever you're going through, all you have to do is reach out. So if there's anything you take from this, just remember there's no condition, nothing too crazy that God can't handle. He is not intimidated by your situation, by your sickness, by anything. And he's always willing. All you have to do is reach out. God bless. Hey, guys. I'm Pastor Julio, and I just want to say uh, welcome. And today I'm going to be talking to you guys about the faith of a centurion. Now, it's important to understand that uh, I want you guys to kind of get a little bit of a background first. A centurion, what a centurion was, was he was an officer that was in charge of at least 100 men. And it's, it's, 
I think this is important because uh, to start this off, I, I want you to understand that this guy's character was somebody who was a leader, somebody who, who really made an effect in the community. And if you read in, in Luke chapter 7, 1 through 10, he even affected the Jewish community because he loved the Jewish community. It was, he was somebody that was respected by the Jewish community as well as his own peers. Because in this story, it talks about how, how he was seeking help for a servant, not one of his soldiers, but a servant in his own household, somebody that needed help. You see, when, when I think of a leader of an officer, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of this guy that he has, he has authority to send people to, to do things, to make things happen whenever there's an issue, whenever there's a situation. This officer had the authority to make things happen, to make things happen. But then there comes a point in his life where something that was out of his control, something that he couldn't control, something that he couldn't uh, grab a hold of or he couldn't fix by sending somebody or, or, or bringing something. But then this guy hears of a man called Jesus. Now, he, he was a centurion who was not a follower, but, but he, was, he helped build a synagogue. So he understood faith. He understood uh, what it was to, to, to worship, but he wasn't a worshiper. But when he heard the name of Jesus... When he heard this person's name and he heard what he was doing in the communities, when he heard that this guy came to his city, Capernaum, he said he sent out servants and said, go get this man and, and tell him that I need him to heal my servant. And so because this guy had authority, he sent people. He sent somebody. In Matthew, it says that he went. So you, either way you look at it, it was his word or he was out there going out to reach Jesus. He was trying to reach him to bring him back so that he could heal, heal his servant. And if you read in Matthew, it says that he went. And when he approached Jesus, he said, Jesus, I have a servant who's sick of palsy. He's, he's paralyzed. He needs help. And then and in, he tells him, uh, Jesus basically replies and says, do you want me to go to you? Do you want me to go to the house? And he says, no, no, no. I don't need you to come to my house. I don't need you to come to my house because I... There, and that, this is where it kind of trips me out because I think, you know, hey, Jesus is, is asking or he's telling, he's willing to go to his house. Knowing that he's a Gentile, he's, he's what they consider unclean. And he's willing to go to his house. But, but there's, a, there's something about the centurion. He understood authority. He understood what it meant to, to, to have a word, to, 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 to be able to speak authority. And so when he looked at Jesus, he said, no, Jesus, I'm not worthy for you to come to my home. He heard the stories. He, heard he, he knew he wasn't Jewish. He knew the, the order because he had friends. He, he, he knew the Jewish community. He loved the Jewish community. But he said, no, I'm not worthy for you to come to my house. Just I know that I have authority. I know that my word means something. That when I tell people go, they're going to go. When I tell people to come, they come. When I tell people and send people to do things, they go and do it. Because they know my rank. They know who I am. They know, but this, what I'm trying to do here, what I'm asking here, he's telling Jesus, I don't have authority over sickness. I don't have authority of, over, over healing this person. So this is where I need somebody with authority. This is where he understood. This is something that's out of my control, but I believe that you are in control over this because of what he's heard, and it's just of what he heard. You know, but he understood the ranking. He understood what it meant to just give words. So he said, Jesus, don't. 
I, I don't need you to come. I'm not worthy enough for you to come. All I need you to do is say the word. Say that he's healed. That's all I need. And Jesus was just like, whoa, blown away. Like, oh, my God. And all of Israel, and it says in there that Jesus says, in all of Israel, I have never seen a person have this much faith thus far. It had to come from a centurion, somebody who was at the opposite end of, this, of, of, of his spectrum. You know, It was Jesus, a Jew, and he was a Roman soldier. Two opposite ends, and yet this Roman soldier understood that all he needed was the word. So Jesus said, in all of Israel, there's, I haven't seen this faith. And then the next part is what I love, is he said, because of your belief. Because you believed. He didn't even say, I'm going to heal him. No, he said, because you believed. I don't know if you really understand that. It wasn't, Jesus could have just said, oh, okay, I'll do that. He's healed. No, he wanted to make a point. He wanted it to, to, to make a point, not maybe to the people around him, or maybe just to the centurion, so that he knew that it was because of his belief. But he wanted to make a point that it was because he believed that he was going to be healed. And so he said at that, and it says that at that moment, the servant was healed. At that moment, the servant was healed. Now, you know, in this, and it goes back to COVID again, like I know this is the time that we live in. And, you know, sometimes we're waiting and people are asking for prayer and it's great. But God has given us that authority too. He's given you that belief too. You don't need to wait for, for, pastor, for a pastor, especially right now, to go lay hands on you. Because that's, it's a little bit hard right now, right? It's a little bit hard for somebody to go to somebody's house. We pray for each other, but it's, it's just your belief. That, all God is saying is just believe. Just believe. You know, we might be living in these circumstances, but God is saying just believe. Because of your belief you will be healed. Because of your belief, your circumstance will get better. Because of your belief, you will get a job again. Because of your belief, that's all you have to say. Because all we're waiting for is God's word. And when God said he's going to do it, he will do it. So believe in his word. And believe, just believe. Good morning, afternoon, or evening, depending on where you're watching us from. Um, I'd like to quickly just direct your attention to Mark 2.12. That's where we find the beginning of a story. It's it's, it's actually become one of my favorite stories all of a sudden, Uh, maybe because I was so much into this story. But it's the miracle, uh, a miracle that Jesus does. And this story is actually repeated in Matthew and in Luke, but I just enjoyed Mark's account a little better. I, I just really like details. When someone's telling me a story, I kind of want them to, like, paint me a picture. I want them to, like, take me to that place. Um, yeah, I, I, just, I just like details. Maybe it's the woman in me. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I, I just like details. So like when I'm trying to tell my husband um, that I spent $200 at Target when I went to go buy dog food and then I forgot the dog food um, and I'm trying to like paint him the picture. I'm trying to take him down 
the aisles of Target because they're magical. And I, I just want him to just like see what I saw. I, I, I want him to experience what I experienced, how Holy Spirit came over me when I saw this dress. And I was just like, oh my God. I have to take that dress because, you know, you can't go against the Holy Spirit. But then I'm rudely interrupted by, can you just get to the point? And I'm like, uh, I spent $200 <laughs> and I forgot the dog food. Um, so if you want to get straight to the point of this story, just read it in Matthew. But in Mark, in Mark, which is the, the, the version that I liked, uh, Jesus is home. Uh, he, he just got home. The uh, people heard about it, and they all just kind of started to show up at his house, just uninvited. Just people just started showing up and showing up to his house. I don't know if that's ever happened to you. Happens to me every once in a while, but I love it. Um, I, and I think Jesus loved it too because he just he just invited people over, and 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 it, it got so packed. It got so packed that people were like in the doorways. People were probably like peeking through the window. I don't know. Um, but they they a lot of people got there. It got super packed. No social distancing, just super packed. All of a sudden, four men get there, and they're carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. Um, they can't get through to Jesus, so they decide to jump up on the roof, dig a hole, and then lower him right into the presence of Jesus. Um, Jesus is teaching, and um, he sees their faith. He then heals that man from being paralyzed, but he also heals him spiritually. He tells him, your sins are forgiven. And he heals him. It's, it's a pretty big deal, right? It's, a, it's, it's, a, it's an incredible miracle. Um, but like I said, I wanted details. I wanted more. So I started to dig into the text and actually read different versions. And, and, and I just ended up with more questions than anything. I started to think, who were these men? that decided to, like, take a paralyzed man to Jesus? Were they his friends? Whose idea was it? Was it the paralyzed man that called up his friends and was like, hey, I heard Jesus was in town. You mind taking me over? Or was it the other way around, you know? Was it, was it the, his friends that were like, let's take you. Let's go. Let's go to Jesus. Um, let's cruise by. I don't know. But then also, who decided that they should go on the roof? Like, who was going to destroy Jesus' house to, like, get to him? I don't know. That, I, I, I was, like, just blown away. And how rude people are that they couldn't just move out of the way. At, like, when they take a paralyzed man. I don't, I don't understand how rude people were in Jesus' time. I don't know. But it really, it, what caught my attention was verse 5. Because it says, seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. Seeing their faith, Jesus saw a collective action-driven faith. Five people, one faith. And that was so powerful. And he didn't, he didn't just heal him physically, but he also healed him spiritually. He knew, Jesus knew what that man needed probably better than him himself. Right? Um, and then Jesus not only saw their faith, but he also saw the thoughts of the people in the crowd. And they were not good thoughts. They were pretty evil thoughts. Um, but Jesus saw those thoughts, turns back to the paralyzed man and says, stand up, pick up your mat 
and go home. I wonder if a sigh of relief came over him because at first Jesus just told him that his sins were forgiven, but he's still kind of laying there like in front of Jesus. And I wonder if he was like, uh, okay, now what? Because he only, he, only healed, he only healed him spiritually, but not physically. But then, you know, he says, stand up, pick up your mat and go home. I'm sure he, it says he jumped up. I mean, he literally just jumped up. And Jesus saw their faith, saw people's thoughts, and he saw the paralyzed man's true needs. Now I have some questions for you today. What has paralyzed you? What has kept you from Jesus? Is it fear? Is it doubt? Is it pain? Is it shame? Well, he sees it. Jesus sees it. And what's the barrier that's been keeping you from reaching Jesus' presence? They had to dig a hole in the roof. They had to remove tiles, the text says. What do you have to dig through to get to Jesus? And who's in your corner? Because this paralyzed man only got to Jesus in the first place because he had people in his corner, four to be exact. I pray that Jesus reveal that to you today. Because I guarantee that when you reach Jesus, when you reach his healing presence, just like that man, your life will never be the same. Your life will never be the same. He sees it all. He is above all because he is all. And to God be all the glory. God bless you. Good morning, Lighthouse. Hope you've enjoyed the three previous seven-minute preachings. We're doing four and seven here this morning. Hope you're enjoying the format. I'm coming in to wrap it up. And this morning I want to speak in the story that's found in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. It's about the man with a withered hand. You know, in, 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 in Luke chapter 6, verses 6 through 11, and that's where I kind of just want to stay, we find Jesus once again in a synagogue, and he's teaching. And it's funny because we find Jesus in the synagogue a lot. As a matter of fact, one of the very first times that he reveals himself of who he truly is is within the synagogue when he's 12 years old. Comes after a couple days that he's missing, his mother finally finds him, and all of a sudden, you know, after this, this dialogue back and forth, back and forth, he just simply states to his mother, well, don't you know I would be about my father's business? So when we find Jesus in the, in the synagogue, he, he's teaching. And, and, you know, at 12 years old, we find that he had a revelation and that as, as the teachers of that time were asking him questions, as the scribes were asking him questions, he was being able to answer them back. But now, over 28 years later, we find him in the synagogue, and he's teaching this time. And this time, everybody is there to simply listen to him. And within that, within that place, we find a man. And as I, as I kind of read through this, I kind of see like this man that doesn't want to be noticed. He kind of just wants to be there. And, and this man that's kind of conflicted, this man with a withered hand, the Bible says, that since birth it was withered. And not so much that it was dried up, but that it was paralyzed. It had no use. And I could just imagine this man sitting there, listening. 
And what is afflicting him his whole life, kind of having it just hidden away, just kind of just tucked away. But at the same time, within, within himself, he's hoping that this man, Jesus, has something for him. He's sitting there listening, not vocal about what's going on, not trying to bring any attention to himself, but listening. And I can only imagine as a young boy growing up, you know, I think, I think one of the greatest things as a child is, you know, if there's something wrong with a child, for the, for the most part when they're growing up, they don't know anything's wrong with them because, you know, that's just who they are. That's how they were born. That's what they had. But all of a sudden they come in contact with society. And they, they might notice that something's a little bit different with them, that they might come from somewhere a little bit different. They might look a little bit different. But there's nothing like that first time that somebody points it out to them. And I could just imagine what this man felt like going through this, growing up as a child and somebody noticing what was wrong with his hand and pointing it out and snickering, making jokes about it. And as he grew up, having to, in a sense, prove himself but not being given the chance because something was wrong with him. You know, as I was reading this, I remembered a man by the name of Jim Abbott in the early 90s. He was a pitcher for the California Angels. Not the Anaheim Angels, the California Angels. That's how back this goes. And Jim Abbott was actually born without the right hand. But yet he became a left-handed pitcher. And I remember it was the early 90s. I remember sitting in front of the TV and watching him. And then I was kind of just changing through the channels, and all of a sudden I see this pitcher, and I just saw him one time, I saw him throw a pitch, and I saw him do something a little bit funky with his hands, and I was like, hey, what's going on? What's... And then as I watched it again, I noticed that where his hand should be, it wasn't, and his glove rested on, on his hand. And he would pitch, and he pitched in a way where he was able, as soon as that pitch was done, able to slip his hand, and he'd get ready. And I began to think about this man, how he had to adapt at that time. Because as he grew up, he had to work, he had to maintain his livelihood, but not given the fair shake, was probably never even paid what he should be paid as another worker that was just probably as skilled as he was. But I see, as Jim Abbott, you know, he played baseball at the highest of levels. He made something of us. He moved forward and he adapted. I see this man in that same way. He obviously made it to an age where he could take himself to where he knew and where he felt there would be somebody to help him. And he followed this man, Jesus. And I could just imagine as he was sitting there and he was listening to Jesus teach, that he was sitting right there. And he was beginning to remember all these things. And unfortunately, in times like this, we've had a lot of time to spend at home. And for some people, that's been the most torturous thing they've ever had. Because once the noise is gone, once everything is stripped to the side, it's just you, yourself, and that's it. With your thoughts. Sometimes reflecting on your own deficiencies. And at a time like this, you really may begin to wonder, is there any hope for me? 
this whole pandemic might have added just another layer of doubt in your life. And you might find yourself this morning like that man sitting, listening to a couple sermons. But this morning, just like that time over 2,000 years ago, Jesus, in the middle of everything, looked at the man and said, stand up. And I can imagine that this man was just snapped back to reality. He stood up. And as he stood up, I could just imagine kind of the grief that was probably on him. Like, like if I stand up, everybody's going to see. Something's going to be pointed out. And just like everybody, being able to look around, all of a sudden you see those people who were once were children that made fun of you, now became adults that turned their back on you. And having to realize that and wondering what's going to happen. And just like Ruthie had said earlier that Jesus just, who he was he could see the heart and the thoughts of the people that were around. And he knew at that time that there was, there was people around that wanted to see and accuse Jesus of something. And we come to a point in verse 9 that Jesus says, I ask you, which is lawful on the Sabbath? To do good or to do evil? To save life or to destroy it? And he looked around at them all, and then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And it says he did so, and his hand was completely restored. If you're watching here this morning, I want to let you know that this morning, no matter what you've gone through, no matter if, like this man, you feel like you were just dealt a bad hand, so to speak. That God placed you at this point in this time where you're at. So he can call out to you. Stretch forth your hand. He calls out to you, but what the man did was he actually stretched his hand out so it could be restored. In this time, God is asking all of us to stretch ourselves out. Things come, pandemics come, whatever may happen, happens. But just like this man, we've made it this far. Personally, and this church has made it this far. And we're going to continue to go farther as long as we heed to the call of God and call. And when he calls out stretch, we stretch ourselves out. This morning, it's been awesome hearing these preachings. And, and as I was sitting there listening, I heard, you know, the man with leprosy stunk, was bad. You know, might have lost a finger or two along the way. And he had to be up front about what was wrong, right? Unclean, unclean, unclean. He had to declare what was wrong with him. Lord healed him. We heard about the centurion that understood the authority of word. 
of speaking, of proclaiming miracle. Then we hear about Ruth, he's speaking about the paralyzed man. And how they lowered him down through the roof. And I like what she said, it was a collective faith. And then we hear about this man. Who had a withered hand. Didn't really have anybody that took him to him. Didn't understand the power of the word. Didn't declare what was wrong with him. But God still saw the need. If you're out there, you're going to find yourself in one of these four areas. And this morning, I just want to pray with you. Right there where you're at, why don't you grab a friend, grab your family, place an arm around them, and let's just go before the Lord. If this message has blessed your life, I want to encourage you to share this message with others or go online to our website and consider making a donation so that we can continue bringing you content just like today's message. God bless you.